House of the Dragon, Season 1, Episode 6, The Princess and the Queen. Uh, where to begin? Yeah, whew. I, I guess with The Princess and the Queen and the new actresses. I think Alicent's is a really good replacement. I'm not quite sold on Rhaenyra yet. In terms of character interpretation, how close she looks no, like? No, the, the way they look. The way they look? Okay. Yeah, yeah they, they don't look a ton alike, but... Um, I think Alicent's is pretty good, but... But yeah, I mean, we get a time jump 10 years on, so these are basically almost new characters. So the interpretation, it's okay if they don't do it quite right, because it's a whole different right. thing. Well, and they're 30-year-olds now. Um, we see that Alicent, since last episode, has been spent, spent the last 10 years, you know, preparing or, or having this feeling that she's in trouble when Renera takes the throne, and she's doing more and more... She uh, threw all in. She is... Yeah. She... She clearly does not care at all about any sort of friendship or alliance with Rhaenyra in any way. Or with anyone else, uh, it seems, which might be a mistake. But we can see by this episode, she's lost all respect for Viserys. She's yeah. walking away from him, ignoring him. He's he's turning into an old man, but she just doesn't care anymore. She doesn't see protection through him, apparently, at this point. Or doesn't see... She's, she's just annoyed at his wishy-washiness, which... Up till now, Viserys has been one of my favorite characters, but it is kind of hard to watch him be just in denial on so many different aspects. He looks weak. So, you know, he, he's so much older this episode, and you have to wonder in Game of Thrones when you have an older head of house, is it going to go the route of kind of like the... Uh, don't really know. I have a huge like grasp on reality here. Or are you going to be like a really strong, wise um, leader for your family? And we have several other people who set the stage for that: Tywin Lannister, Lady Olena Tyrell, uh, Sir Jorah Mormont. These are all people who are an advanced age and yet are very strong leaders. Joyer Mormont. Oh yeah. Lord Commander. Lord Commander. Sorry. Screwed that up. But you get what I mean? Like, those are all really, really strong players. Well, Viserys, he's got his faculties. He's just purposely in denial about it because when he's called out on it, he basically admits it. But he's like, you can't talk about it. What you say, the consequences are so bad. So he just doesn't want to deal with it. He also doesn't care because to him, they're still Targaryens. Right. Well, he cares in that he knows that if the, the truth comes out, if these are Harvin Strong's children, it's going to lead to disaster. But... He doesn't care as far as the succession, what you're saying. So after Rhaenyra goes, Jace will follow. And Jace is, right, half Targaryen, half strong. But yeah, it's just, <clears throat> when there's that much denial going on, you can't really blame Alicent for for being sick of it. Is it denial about everything or just denial about the kid's parentage? And who cares if you accept the line of succession? Well, there's no contention for it. Denial about everything that's bubbling under the surface here about the war that's going to come. I just, I think Allison has completely replaced her father here and we see it as much. She's just as foreboding and hard as a parent, but also still cares. But basically she's what Otto was to her in that first episode that when we first are introduced to all of them and you're not getting a lot of warmth from her. It's a lot of strategy. Um, she doesn't really care what state <laughs> she finds her kids in and just kind of goes on like business like usual and says this is what's expected and this is what you're doing and she's pushing it she's well, not hiding it at all from her son business like usual in that 
She's usually stressed. To me, she's. Oh, I meant like, that as like <laughs> I just walked in on my teenage son being a teenager, oh. and I'm going to talk like nothing has happened. <laughs> Business as usual. Yeah, so much happened here. So apologies to our listeners for a completely unstructured discussion here as we jump all over the place. But yeah, her son, her older son, Aegon. First impressions are not that positive. <laughs> no, but he's young. Look at how much Rhaenyra and Allison have changed. Like this time jump was huge. We're talking a whole decade here where before we had, I think, at most three years. Yeah, but he seems considerably more annoying or terrible than they seemed as children. Yeah, he's also a little liar he instigates stuff towards his younger brother yeah he's a bully he's a prick he's so talk about parents who don't want to see things yeah because allison refused to believe that her own sons and blamed it all on renera like i don't even think it's about Aegon being the next like uh on the throne for allison i think she now has a vendetta or that seems to be a big theme right yes is all these parents fucking up their kids yeah well and and being in denial about them and when push comes to shove, it doesn't matter how messed up or terrible your kids are. A lot of them, the, the, the parents are going to side with them just because it's they're their parents, right? Yeah. So it's kind of uncomfortable to watch in that way, but there's these loyalties are strong, except for a certain someone that we'll get to in a little bit. I, I will offer, so my initial feelings regarding this episode, we saw it last night. I felt overwhelmed as a viewer uh, just to the episode itself. I mentioned to you pretty early on that it felt like watching another pilot. And then it was funny because we watched inside the episode and they basically said as much. But there were so many new characters. We had a couple similar faces here, but so many new characters. And not only in meeting these new characters, you had to figure out who they were and what their significance was the same way when you go into a pilot. Um, They almost could have just started the entire show at this point. Yeah, which makes me wonder a little bit why they made some of the choices that they did and maybe it helps with some backstory of how where they're going to take the show so we can as an audience can better understand and have that reference point it's just it feels a little disjointed in how they kind of had a slower pace those first five episodes even with time jumps where this felt like a whole season in an episode for me and in a very different pacing which i'm okay with i just it, it does bother me a little bit this dark contrast it has to the pacing that they've already established like they took so much time in that episode two at that Aegon's birthday thing that whole episode there and then now they just completely you know fast forward through a bunch of things here so overwhelmed is one of my uh, reactions and then sad I just felt sad for the characters yeah I kept thinking that if, if there was anyone you were rooting for up until this point you can pretty much throw that all out the window not only do we see bad behavior and lame behavior for most people and one or two characters that we do kind of like are <laughs> gone by the end of this episode and we can't even predict who they are now. Like Renera might be a totally different person than what we've yeah. gotten used to the next, the last five episodes. We talk about these episodes and we podcast about it and an episode like this almost makes the last five podcasts we did like totally pointless where we're like looking at everything and what are they talking about and what relationships are they building it's like, it doesn't really matter. We're just going to shoot up 10 years and now there's all these kids involved and, and everything. So it, it, in that sense, it is kind of jarring. Yeah, um, I really would have liked to see the spark and the romance between Rhaenyra and Sir Strong. Well, you did call it last episode. It's just we didn't get to see it. <laughs> but you, yeah, you, And I also you called it with Damon and Lady Lena. Le, what's her name? Yeah. 
Lena. Lena, yeah. I would have liked to see that. Not so much from the romance aspect, but from what made Damon choose her and how did that go about and then leave. Damon just finally left. All the series had to do was to not ask him to leave. And so I just... You mean from last episode to now? Like, yeah. How, how did, yeah, right. Yeah, all the series that we've seen him keep banishing Damon and Damon keep coming back. And then now it's like Damon's actually been gone this whole last decade. I, I just would have liked to see those unions a little bit more and what was behind it. Um, especially since it kind of, for Damon, seems to go against his character a little bit to get married again so soon. And... Why? And and I get why Renera just got married, but still, like, I'm just kind of curious. No, there's all these political discussions between marriage and alliance and everything. And Damon and Lena, like, the politics behind that would be strong, but we missed all that. Right. Um, now, I will say, it, it is strange for a show to be paced like this, but this is how the book is. It's just a history that skips years and, and whole things. It's like... On this date, this person was born. And on that date, that person was born. And that person turned out to be a strapping young lad who grew up to do this. It's like, it is like this. So they are, I believe, adapting it correctly. It's just kind of a strange viewing experience. I liked Alicent before episode six. <laughs> yeah. um, and, and even if she's doing certain things, like even how she acted last episode and was finding her own voice. and But... You know, Game of Thrones and House of the Dragon is so good at having these really complex characters. And so I'm all for that. They don't have to be likable all the time. But she was not likable at all, except for as a villain to me in this episode, a naive villain. Um, But so for me, again, I'm fine with the time jumps and stuff. It's just this characterization bit. I feel like I have to either fill in the holes or this is like one of those out of sequence things where they're giving you a lot of information and then you have to fill in after you get that initial, like you get the conclusion at the beginning and then you need to fill in. And the conclusion is, is she's just a total like angry, resentful. (laughs) You can say it. (laughs) (laughs) No, but I guess what they're setting up here is that Alessandra and Renera are increasingly more desperate here. They're, they're more at odds and they're more feeling cornered by Viserys' impending doom and what that's going to mean. I think that's a really good way to put it. What's interesting about it, though, is how they exude the desperation differently. So Alicent's isn't as obvious as Rhaenyra's. You can tell she's kind of grasping, like she's treading water and she's like, like her head's going under kind of thing. Like, I definitely think that Rhaenyra looked... The most desperate I've ever seen her look. Well, she also just did have a kid. So it's hard to tell how much of that Correct. disheveled look How much was. of this is postpartum, right. trying to recover, that hormone dump, like all those things. So, But then also, Allison, you're correct. She is desperate, but her desperations come in the form of like what you would recognize from Tywin Lannister. Except way less calculated. <laughs> correct. Yeah. I, well, yeah. I, who knows what he was like when he was her age, but... Yeah, she... Well, I guess what do you mean by that uh, comparison? We see that she's got a ton of power in this episode. She is now at... Not the round table. What is that called? Oh, yeah. She's at the small council. She's at the small council, and she's talking as if she's the Queen Targaryen, not Queen Regent. Um, And she talks basically in place of Viserys. At first, I thought he had lost his mind, that maybe he... Just wasn't there anymore. But no, he was. So I was just like, why is everyone just 
going along with this. So she's there, she's running the show. She walks in on people. Literally, the show starts with showing the display of power that she has, where Rhaenyra has to go see her and does it. Rhaenyra kind of has this, I didn't recognize her. Uh, where Allison just really shows a lot of power and authority. So she's holding that. She's not calculated, but her desperation is how much she's having to work. Yeah. She did have a good line straight out of the book, which was, keep trying, Sir Leonor. Eventually you'll get a kid that looks like you. <laughs> Something like that. I don't think um, he's even trying, though. No, it doesn't. If they've, we don't know if they've consummated the marriage or not. And yeah, those are clearly the strong boys. They are the heirs to the throne after she passes, if things go the way they're supposed to. Yeah, so the Strongs... All right, so Clubfoot is 100% solidified as the new Littlefinger. I knew that those guys were going to die in a fire. It's unclear in the books who lit the fire. There's a bunch of rumors and theories about how it happened. I did not expect Laris. I had, mm. So that's nice... Um, Talk about a villain. Misdirection, right, yeah. And from all accounts, it's not like his family snubbed him or like they did relative to Harwin. But, but Harwin was firstborn. It's no different than... Right. We see in previous episodes that they seem fairly close. And with this time jump, I was sad to see that we didn't get Lionel Strong any of his hand because he was 10 years in the position <laughs> and possibly up until this point of all these seasons of Game of Thrones, like a, a true hand that we can appreciate. Yeah. And we don't get to see any of it. Which I think we can kind of infer from Viserys refusing to accept his resignation. The fact that he's even trying to resign. Right, yeah, that he, he knows he's been compromised and that's the, the right thing to do. Yeah, so that was that was hard to watch. We also like Harwin. We, we see him briefly as a father. We're interested in that relationship when he's, you know, training his kids. And I was like, would have been nice to see some of that. Yeah, <laughs> um, I will give that the actor playing Harwin Strong uh, some props. You could tell the way he portrayed himself that he did a good job showing that he loved his kids. Without showing too much, except for, I guess, this episode when he finally lost it. But you could see there was affection and love without him being able to, like, like when he held the baby. I appreciated the little trio that Rhaenyra, Leonor, and Strong had. Like, they all kind of understood what was going on and were all cool with it. And that's that's kind of what pisses me off a little But Like, why I feel so sad is it's only Allison who's got the problem here. And yeah. she, she's just messing it all up. And Well, yeah. It's Ellicent and the whole realm that yeah. has the problem. The other sad part is that Strong and Rhaenyra could have been a good match sanctioned by all parties. No different than Viserys with Alicent, the son of the Hand of the King. Like, had things gone differently, they could have actually been married and raised a nice family together. You know, like, just speaking of, like, this parents and not seeing things, we have this in both of our Game of Thrones shows of kids who are supposed to be heir who are not their father's children, and people are getting suspicious, and rightfully so, based on their hair color. Although, it was a really, really big secret in, in Game of Thrones, where it was only John Aaron who figures it out, looking at some book of dark of hair, dark of hair, dark of hair for the Baratheons. No, but was, talk about Tywin, was, who yeah. doesn't want to see the truth right in front of him. Now, that's a guy who literally didn't see it. Viserys sees it, but doesn't want to... So Tywin is denial. The series is avoidance. I like the way that Lena went out, all things considered. Like everything else in this episode, it would have been interesting to see their relationship. We see that they're about to have their third kid, Damon and Lena. 
and that she's riding Vagar, which was hinted at earlier, and I talked about last episode, but I didn't want to like spoil it because I thought it was going to be kind of a big deal. But no, just one short episode. Which one is Vagar? Vagar is the big old one. It's one of the last remaining dragons. Is that the one she talked to the series about that was off hiding yeah. in the mountains? Yeah. So huh. somehow she tamed that dragon at fifteen or whatever, which yeah. I, th- I thought like we were going to see and stuff like that. But now that, that dragon looked badass. That's one you, you're not going to want to mess with. Yeah. That was a big dog. And I really liked the way she went out and that she had to convince the dragon to do it who didn't want to do it. It showed like a kind of nice relationship. I did wonder if it's the dragon going to do it because it's epic either way if the dragon doesn't because it shows this next level understanding or some of this like symbiotic magic. It's just something where I wondered if the dragon knew and that's why the dragon did it. I thought it was filmed just right for what they were trying to convey. The dragon was hesitant, but did it. So we just got, you know, from that emotion that it didn't want to. Um, But it did. And there was a lot of dragon scenes, obviously, here. So dragons are becoming a much bigger part of the story. And last episode, I was, like, trying to figure out, like, who's riding the four dragons? Like, it doesn't matter. (laughs) We got a lot more now. There's there's eggs coming out. Some of the kids' eggs aren't hatching. Um, but we see so the- we learned that. I think that's a really important piece here is we learned that each Targaryen, when they're born, an egg is set aside for them. It's picked, I think, randomly. So uh, we know that Rhaenyra picked one for her brother who died. So they, they just get picked, but not all eggs hatch. And I don't know if this is from the lore of the books, but we learned in this episode that only about half tend to hatch. We learned two people here um, who are Targaryens do not get a dragon yet. And so it's Damon and Lena's daughter, uh, I think their second daughter, and then the second son, third child to Viserys and, and Allison. Um, and so neither of them have dragons, but as Lena tells her daughter, it doesn't mean you don't get a dragon. It just means that yours, you don't get bonded at birth with one. We're going to have to refigure out all these characters. I know, that's the overwhelmed bit. Uh, well, it sucks too, because I assume there's going to be several more time jumps. Maybe not this season, but... You can't build a story around young kids forever, right? So these kids are going to have to grow up. Oh, yeah. So. Hey, we're going to have another time jump. <laughs> it's, yeah. Um, but at least this one sets the stage where we can see who's pitted against who. The way that Rhaenyra grew up with Laenor and Lena, that is not what's happening with her kids and Allison's kids. Well, they are growing up together. But, not anymore. Um, well, right. But Viserys has been thinking if they just train together. But my point is, along. she got along well. That's what we commented on. It's actually a good match. She's comfortable with Leonor. They get on very well. There's affection there. There's no affection between these cousins here. And that's been stoked. Yeah. And it's easy to tell them apart, thank God, from their hair. <laughs> or else we would completely lose track of who's who. <laughs> so it begs the question, though, Vagar, will that become Lena's daughter's Dragon? There's a dragon open now. Yeah, we have open yet to for see. Hire. Yet to see, but presumably whoever gets that dragon has a big advantage, just from the looks of it. All right, I guess, I guess the other big thing to comment here, and we can talk about this more in a deep dive, is just Kristen Cole's complete flip to the other side and the complete lack of consequence for him punching Leonor and killing his boyfriend. But yet, the Lord Commander of the, the City Watch is released with just punching him. But yet... He killed, like, Kristen Cole actually killed somebody. Right, but, uh, I mean, Allison pulled rank here, we can assume. But, but again, yeah, that's just all kind of shoved under the rug. And I'll just say, again, in, in the books where it's different is that Kristen Cole 
beat the Knight of Kisses to death in a tournament. So it was a little more explainable how he got away with it. And what they left out on the show, and this I didn't want to spoil it last time, but also at that tournament, he beats the shit out of Harwin Strong. But they completely left that out. Mm. So in one tournament, he kills Joffrey's, or, you know, Joffrey and beats up Harwin Strong for reasons we don't know in the book. I've said this, I think, every podcast episode, but they can flesh this show out however they want. And conf- well, and he conf- beat up Harwin Strong at a tournament before he and Rhaenyra were even a thing. They were starting to become a thing. Oh, okay. Um, so Harwin, Rhaenyra gave Harwin the, the thing that you give competitors, oh, yeah. and then Laenor gave the Knight of Kisses the thing you give competitors. So these tournaments and giving gifts are, is always a disaster. <laughs> All right. Who, who's winning and who's losing the Game of Thrones? I, I'm sad to admit that I think Larry Strong is winning. Yeah, he's got to be the, the person this episode we pick. He's been a, a chess player all along here and just made a big move. And he likes to make himself look like a pawn. And he is, he is not. Well, he takes he's, out his own family. Alice, yeah, and now he's head of the house. Alicent. She's my loser. Uh, before we get there, I was just going to say, you can't keep someone like Laris around. She should tell Kristen Cole to take him outside and behead him and be done with it. Because um, that guy is going to be problems <laughs> for, for anybody. But right, I agree with you. This episode, he's winning. And then, sorry, who would you say was losing? Allison? Allison is, is losing because she's acting too naive with the power that she has. And when you are that naive wielding that power and sharing your confidences so freely the way she does with Kristen Cole and with Larry Strong... She's open to manipulation and you, you just cannot leave your flanks open like that because you'll get hit. And Larry Strong does this and he does it in a way that ingratiates himself to her, but she doesn't even, she didn't even want this. I mean, yeah. she did, but she didn't, but he's like no, she, already convincing yeah. her that she owes him. And now she owes him for something that she didn't want. And so like, that's how good he is. She's left herself so vulnerable to that. And so, and if you're naive, not only do you get taken advantage of, but people die. And she just killed off Rhaenyra's love and father of her children. And, oh, that's a big move. Yeah, you make a persuasive case. I guess I'm going to say, I I would probably say what you said, but just have some difference. I guess I'll say Rhaenyra's losing here because one thing we know about Game of Thrones is that decisions have consequences. And having three bastards while you're the heir to the throne have major consequences that puts everyone in danger and somehow she didn't think all this through or whatever. And also um, she has to leave. She has to go to Dragonstone, which was probably a good decision. But her position is... Which she could have done all along. Right. They yeah. make it a, a huge point to show that she only stayed because she thought that Alicent would poison her father against her and her family. But now Alicent has that opportunity even further, which maybe it doesn't matter at this point. All right, talk to you in a few days with our scene-by-scene deep dive.